This is the FS Podcast. The FS Podcast is your go-to place for all things financial services. Hosted by Exidel Financial Services, we keep you up to date with what's going on in the industry with interviews featuring leading experts, introductions to up-and-coming technologies, and discussions about the emerging trends from around the globe. Today, we're joined by Clemens. Clemens is the CEO at Bourbon Creative and Barcino. He's a startup mentor for F10 Incubator and Accelerator, and he's the co-founder and co-organizer for BCN Fintech. Hi, Clemens. It's really nice to have a fellow marketer on the episode. Hi, Deborah. So nice to have me, have me on the show. Thanks for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here. And thanks for the nice introduction. Um, could you give us a quick rundown of who you are, the kind of events you host, maybe um, what BCN is? Yeah, sure. So maybe just a bit background just for me. So I've been managing content marketing campaigns for around 25 clients in the last five years. You know, so we actually focus especially on that. So I hope I can give some insight on that. And for Barcelona FinTech, basically the idea was just, you know, it's a Barcelona based event. So we just want to bring together the FinTech community here. We've seen that are some amazing startups and tech companies here in the FinTech space, but no real community that brings them together. So we just created a space for them. Uh, we started with like a very MVP bootstrap-like event, but it resonates really well. And now we're just trying to see uh, where it's going to go next based on the feedback we get. Sounds really cool. So let's jump straight in. Um, what inbound marketing methodologies does your organization use when you work with high growth fintechs? <laughs> Sure. So, I mean, I think there's a lot, obviously a lot of like uh, stuff that most people might know already, right? You know, the funnels, you know, the creating content for different stages. But I think maybe what's interesting, what we do is we develop something that we call a three-step process that we call ACE. So we, it basically stands for analyze, create, and expand. Uh, and we had really, really great success with that just because it gives enough flexibility, but it's also based on data and basically you're trying to adjust your strategy based on what you actually see out there, what feedback you get and what data you, you're gathering. So basically the steps is, is pretty straightforward. So the first one is always that you're starting with, you know, analyze. So basically you try to gather data, you gather competitor intelligence, you use all the different SEO tools that you might have, you know, to, to get insights on keywords. And then you try to analyze them based on the specific project you're working with to make sure that you find the strategy that's really relevant to them based on the data, but also on the backbone and the audience. Uh, and basically the end product is that you have a strategy then in place, right? So you agree on specific topics together with the client. And once that's signed off, you have kind of like a roadmap for your content. Uh, so then the next day is literally just like creating it. So basically executing whatever you've agreed on. So it's your regular production, you know, just consistently uh, hitting high quality content that's obviously optimized for SEO, but also stands out and is optimized for the reader. Um, and then the last step is something that we've seen more and more important in the last few years. And I think is really getting really important nowadays is the expansion, right? So we call this is basically the, the distribution of the content. So it's not enough anymore just to analyze where SEO have a great keyword and do a fantastic piece because if you don't get it into the right eyeballs, nobody might even notice that. So, you know, you want to amplify this and help Google to, to pick this up somehow. So we just try to focus a lot on, on like getting it in front of the right people, right? So whether that's like maybe doing some social media messages around that content, whether that's like working with paid ads or maybe an extent of like guest posting or, you know, press releases or working with, uh, with PR companies 
just making sure it gets seen. And I think the most important thing is that you understand that the process doesn't end there. So it's almost like a loop that just like restarts the whole time. So every now and then you want to kind of stop, look at the data, see, okay, is it the right approach? Are we getting traffic? Are we also getting actual leads? And then obviously making adjustments based on what you see and then just like continuing to, to experiment. What are your top tips for financial services businesses looking to market? It sounds like um, a lot of the marketing that you guys do is more content focused. Is that is that true? Yeah, so we focus mostly on content. We normally get hired to help companies get more organic traffic and leads. Uh, but we understand that we cannot just write anymore because you need to work on so many different things at the same time. You know, that's where the strategy comes in and the distribution. Uh, which I think is really, really valuable, especially if you are um, a newer company that may have like a fairly new domain with like a low domain authority without an audience that you can already work with, then you definitely need to do a lot of our things to kind of like accelerate and get, you know, let's say, to use an analogy, to get the train moving, right? So to get, pick up some steam, right? So maybe let's phrase that to what would be your top tips for financial services businesses to market using content? Yeah, I think it will probably go along in similar lines. I think the first differentiation you'll probably do is, is whether you're selling to like a B2B audience or like B2C, because I think it's quite different. I think B2C is probably, it's typically a bit more around also educating people about financial products. I think that's a big step right now. So you see a lot of those companies now, uh, like Robinhood, even they try to do great content that actually explains them you know, how even finance works, because let's be honest, like most of us, if you haven't studied like business or something, we haven't really received proper financial education in school. I think it's pretty on the value for some reason. That's not being done, at least where I come from in Austria. Um, so I think they have to do a lot of practice there to help people. And I think once you help them, um, you know, that will help you with the sales and marketing as well, because you build that brand awareness. Uh, and for B2B, it's a slightly different approach because you, you know, if you're selling to specific people, you you know probably not be explaining to them, for example, what a cash flow means or something like this. Because you know, if it's a CFO that you're selling to, they would just think that you're like talking below the level of knowledge. Um, so you just need to shift to different approaches, maybe more like thought leadership pieces. You know, maybe publishing reports or like interviews with experts, like sharing what the industry is, where it's going, uh, and trying to give insights from that perspective. And then, of course, in addition to that making sure that you can build trust, you know? So I think when we talk about these new FinTech companies, it's all great and exciting, but then in a day we talk about, you know, products that deal with money. And I think we are all pretty protective of money, whether it's for like our personal money or the companies. So I think trust is a major issue. So it's a lot of things like, you know, showing them things like case studies so they can see, okay, this is a person who has a similar job to me in a similar industry and they worked with this company that actually worked and they've improved by X. I think that goes a long way for, for those type of companies. How has digital transformation affected marketing for financial services firms? Obviously, we talk a lot about the technology, but it'd be cool to hear about the marketing side as well. Yeah, I think for the fintech companies uh, and also like for the marketing companies, let's say, I think the biggest difference is that you know, the financial services, it's all about online right now. So, you know, we had obviously uh, the pandemic as well, which accelerated that a lot. So I think people just got used to it even more that, you know, they just want to get things done as easily as possible. I think 
if we're all honest, nobody really wants to go to a bank office anymore to, for example, open an account. They don't want to have information sent by post or, you know, getting sales calls. So I think it's just about reinventing a bit what the new customer journey looks like now. And it is now far more digital than it was before. So I think this, of course, requires companies to step up their, you know, their marketing, their online presence. It's all about like communication, user experience. Um, because if they don't do it, it's going to be really, really hard to, to compete because you already have these new companies that are on the, that are on the block now, you know, whether it's like new startups or whether it's like corporates that rolled out um, kind of like innovative solutions. Uh, and if you don't do anything, it's going to be pretty, pretty bleak for your future right now. So I think you just have to focus on, on how can you improve this journey. And I think marketing plays a major, major role there, you know, because it's about, like I said before, how do you build a trust? without having people to come to your branch, for example, like how do you develop brand awareness if you are completely new competitors and people don't know you? Um, how do you have help people even to have a better life, you know, especially in like a B2C segment? So I think that's a lot where, where marketing can help with right now. There's been a lot of talks around layoffs on LinkedIn. Um, what's your personal view on the current economic climate? And how do you think it impacts marketing for financial services? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously back at the back of the pandemic that's still going on, but we just, you know, I think it seems we stopped talking about it, but it's still there. And we've already been hit with the next big thing, let's say. Um, so I think it's like two separate questions, right? The climate and the, and then the effect of the layoffs, right? So for the economic climate, I think, as you grow older, you get used to it that there are like cycles and that we are have booming periods and then eventually inevitably we will have like down periods. Um, so I think that's at least a bit reassuring if you went through one and then it went on the up again. Uh, I think maybe what's different right now is that we have a lot of like external factors who are basically impacting this situation uh, because we do have the war in the Ukraine and the sanctions. And of course that's, you know, creating a lot of inflation that we've been all witnessing right now. And central banks right now are trying to raise interest rates to fight that, but we actually don't really have an economic you know, output right now that would justify such a such a hike. So it's a bit like almost like new waters, maybe I would say. Uh, it's not ideal, and it's going to be a grind. It's still going to take a bit of while till till these hikes start to have an impact on the interest rates uh, and I mean on the inflation. Uh, but I do think we see some first numbers that start to point that we might be on the right track, but of course you never really know. Uh, but at least, you know, I, like I say, I think I'm confident we're going to get out of it sooner or later. We just have to find some way to kind of grind to that. And uh, yeah, unfortunately one of these effects is of course the layoff. So I think both in the FinTech and in the, in the marketing world, we see that right now. I think most of all, I think it's just really sad when you think of all the people that are affected because each case, um, you know, it's just like really, really difficult to imagine the situation that these people go to. I mean, a lot of them, they've taken big decisions in their life to, you know, trust the company with the job they've, they've been offered. So maybe they've, you know, packed up the, the stuff and moved to a whole different country. Maybe they left a great opportunity that they had back home, or maybe in anticipation of having this new job, uh, they bought a house or something counting on having this job. So I think it's a lot of like, human elements here that we are, that can be easily forgotten, uh, especially when we talk about layers at such a big scale. You know, I think for some reason we seem to be 
less empathic if we hear a thousand people got laid off than if it's like one or two, because then we can't imagine that it's in person. Uh, but I think it's just really, really hard, of course. And, and you know, I think I have also the perspective also because I'm, I'm a, the chief operating officer, so I get the perspective of the business owners. You know, I know that you also do have in this situation, if you affect it, sometimes take different decisions that might be the best for the future of the company and actually the other employees. So in the end, you might be helping out more people by doing layoffs if it's inevitable. Uh, but I think we also have a responsibility to hire um, you know, responsibly. And I think a lot of um, startups, at least that I've been noticing in the last years, they've been really hiring without actually having enough profits or revenues to back this up. So it was almost like hiring on serious. And I think it was pretty premature. And now they're kind of like taking advantage of that there's an economic situation here to maybe even lay off more people than necessarily. I think that's really really, really sad when you think about the people that are affected. You know, I mean, you have examples right now on LinkedIn even that you see people who started a job two days ago, they just moved and got the visa to start working in I don't know where, and then now they're literally left without anything and they don't know what to do. So it's, it's really, really hard. And we're just happy from, from my perspective, we are in the marketing agencies, we are fortunate that we have a bit more diversity in the projects and clients we work with. So we have maybe a bit of more like risk um, insurance, so to speak. So for us, it's been okay. So we haven't done any layoffs for now. We don't plan to do any layoffs. It doesn't seem to be necessary right now, but you never really know where it's going to get. But we do see that we had maybe a bit more um, projects that we work with that had to put the project on hold for a month or so to see how they can deal internally with their own finances before they can restart. Um, but at the same time, we also had new projects that started. So it's a bit of like, I think for marketing agents, it's a bit too early to tell what exactly the impact may be. Uh, but I think as long as you kind of spread your risk by working with different industries, you may be a bit more robust for that. I was going to mention that lady as well, actually. It was so sad when I saw her and that it was literally, so for anyone who didn't see it, there was a lady on LinkedIn who um, she moved from China to Europe for a big company. They were not a startup. Obviously, I'm not going to say who the company were, but they were yeah. a huge, solid well-known you like I don't know if they're actually UK but we have them a lot in the UK um company and she moved country to do that job and on day two she was told that her and like 10% or 20% or whatever of the company were going to be let go um and now she has to find somewhere else someone else to keep her visa I mean obviously she's like found places and everything to live and sign contracts I imagine and to keep her visa she now has to find another job within the next three months in Europe who can continue her visa and it was just like you know on day two if it's day two someone's literally got on a plane and come over you know before their second day that they're going to be part of the you know you could tell them like a week before do you know what let's just delay it a week exactly and then to, I don't know that there's some 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 people aren't aren't being really fair at the moment I think yeah, I think it's it's really, really sad because it's like you say, it's like this, if you look at a lot of those cases very closely, it's, I mean, it's all, it's literally heartbreaking to see a disturbance because it's basically your life is being like massively shifted. And I think a lot of people already have certain levels of anxiety or, or struggling with their mental health. So if you then throw in like a wrecking ball like that, it's like really, really, really difficult. Um, 
but I hope, you know, I don't have an emotion, but I just hope that a lot of those companies that do this mass layers at least have some sort of support program that at least maybe allows them to stay on or get a salary for a month or two so they have a bit more time to plan or maybe assist them to place them in different positions or maybe then bring them back if, if things do better. But it, it's, it's really, yeah, it's just really hard. And especially like you said, even if it's that you realize that you can't even trust the big friends now because normally you would say, okay, yeah, this is a big friend. They probably don't gonna lay off people suddenly. I think it puts a bit of spin on, on things. Yeah, I think I think the good thing though that I've seen is that there are also still a lot of hires. Like all of those people, a few days later, I'll always see them and they've found their new job. So I do think there is a lot of positive as well. Um, what kind of changes do you see coming to the fintech industry? So this is actually one of my favorite topics because I'm really excited about the fintech space in general. I think we are probably one of the most exciting times in financial services since uh, probably the invention of the internet. I think there's like massive shift going on right now. So we have, of course, on one end, all the different open banking regulations that open up the playing field. So we have lots of great competition coming out with more innovative solutions that are more exciting than what we've been used to. Uh, I think what's going to be really exciting is the whole blockchain and crypto space. Uh, you know, we already have a lot of DeFi solutions there that you know, can't be ignored. You know, no matter what you think about them personally, I think we just can't just ignore them. Um, and then I think it's just really refreshing to see that this is happening because we, I think it's one of those industries that's been very stagnating for a lot of different years. And I think just that consumers, we just all deserve better solutions. I mean, there's like lots of things that are not okay, I think, with how you know, traditional finance has been going on until now. And I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made to really provide more value for what people pay for uh, when they sign up for the services. And in regards to the question in particular, where I see the most change is gonna come from, I think uh, one thing is gonna be more interconnectedness. So, you know, we already have, of course, account aggregations, personal finance managers, but I think they're still kind of limited. So we are still not able to connect everything that we would like to connect from different investments or loans and things that we have in one place. So I think that's, Still going to continue to evolve. Um, I think there's going to be like a blend of crypto and the traditional money world. I think right now we all kind of see this two complete parallel universes, but I think the more people are adopting crypto or at least own some type of crypto experiment with that, I think the more there's going to be a need for something that can maybe blend both of them in one place. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting to see non-finance companies you know, enter the playing field because you have, of course, open banking providers and managed finance, which basically make it easy for any company to start offering their own services. And there are like so many use cases you can think of from like e-commerce companies that can start to own, to like offer mini loans or like time out, uh, you know, pay later services and things like that. So I think this is gonna be a big one. Um, I think there may be some more super apps coming, you know, something maybe similar to WeChat or like Meta. God knows what they might be playing, but of course they've been experimenting with some stuff. Uh, so I think that could be something. And then of course, like the whole crypto blockchain space, uh, we have uh, central banks experimenting with, C, you know, with central bank digital currencies. We have DeFi products, that's gonna be exciting. And then maybe more recently, what I also see is maybe what we mentioned before, the economic climate, right? So we have all the economic situation affecting VC funding. So we have all of the, especially startups now trying to scale down a bit on what they're doing because they know that funding seems to be drying up. Uh, so I think it's gonna be more focused on profitability because I think 
is probably a good thing for the long-term health of all of the companies and employees who work there. Uh, but the most important one, I think as a result of this is gonna be a level of consolidation, right? So I think if we're just realistic, do we need 1000 neobanks? Probably not. So I think it's gonna be following like a similar development like we've seen in other industries, you know, like food delivery, there was a stage where everybody was doing food delivery. And now we end up having a few of those in, in different markets. I think the similar things may be happening then in the fintech space. I think a similar thing happened to crypto as well. Like how many cryptocurrencies do we really need? You know, is is three enough or do we need all these thousands? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll all find out soon. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's a good thing. You know, when the more we have, the higher the chances we have that a few of them that will end up surviving is going to be the best one. You know, competition is, is good. Um, you mentioned a few things there. Are there any other sort of specific tools or technologies that you think will make a big impact in fintech over the next few years? Yeah, so it's actually based in relation to what I said before. This is kind of like based on, on the technologies I see right now. So I think definitely the big one right now is open banking, embedded finance, you know, banking as a service providers. Uh, you know, just again, because it's going to open up basically a whole new world to different companies who have nothing to do with finance whatsoever, but they'll be able now to offer this, to use these tools to offer financial services either to their own clients or even in trouble with their own company. Uh, so I think that's definitely a big one. I think like in all the other industries, AI and data science is going to be more and more important than ever before, probably, uh, especially in fintech. Um, I think and just maybe a personal example is uh, it's all about personalization these days, right? So I think if you as a customer get approached, you want to make sure that they're at least relevant. So an example for that for me was uh, I just switched my traditional bank to like a neobank. And it was basically for that reason, they were like keep you know bombarding me with, with totally irrelevant messages. They were trying to sell me loans for like five years and I never really needed one at all, but they just kept pushing for it. Um, so I think as a consumer, that just like really drives you off. So I think AI, data science uh, is going to play a big part, especially since we have this open banking revolution, right? So we have more data to work with, so it's going to be key. Um, and then, like you said before, like we talked about blockchain crypto, um, I think smart contracts, uh, you know, central bank digital currencies, even, you know, different blockchains between banks and DeFi, I think all of this is going to have a bigger impact as well. Really cool. And it sounds like maybe being able to adopt those as well, like you can have the data and you can have, but if you don't have the ability to adopt them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we know we're going to have a lot of data, but we're going to have the same form as everywhere else. Like how do we actually use this data? Because it can be very overwhelming, I think, for a lot of people. Um, what are your thoughts on regulations? Are there... Do you have any thoughts on big changes in regulations with financial technology? Um, what do you think? What do you see changing in regulatory changes? Do you see anything coming? Yes, I mean I can just say from my experience, which you know, as a EU citizen, I'm more knowledgeable with the European regulation here. So of course, we did just have the PSD2 a few years ago, which basically was the open banking regulation in Europe, which helped a lot to harmonize the markets and open up the uh, the innovation competition. So I think the European Union succeeded in, in, in that sense. Um, I think personally here in Spain, I'm actually you know based in Spain right now, we are still a bit behind our nations. So I think there's gonna be something that government's gonna do to, to, to help us push forward. Um, so I think we have to do a bit of catch up, especially with the UK. 
but in terms of regulation, I think the biggest ones are probably going to come more from the from the crypto blockchain space, just because we still don't really have proper regulations for that. Um, and I know it's a major issue for governments all around the world. Everybody just trying to figure out, a what does it actually mean? Like, how does it work? Like, is it relevant? And once I think people familiarize familiarize themselves with that, I think they they understand they need to have some regulation in place because you can't just ignore it. It's already happening. Um, so I think the European Union we we're gonna have the Mika regulation coming up soon. I mean, it's been discussed for a while, but it hasn't passed yet. So I think that can be a big step. And then I think it's just going to be like a continuous catch up in that sense, because blockchain crypto is evolving so fast. We're still trying to figure out even what the latest innovations mean, how they work. So, I mean, I wouldn't like to be a regulator because it seems like a massive headache and you're always going to be behind no matter what you do. Last question. If anyone wants to find out more about you or wants to follow you, um, how can they get in touch? How can they find out more? So the easiest way probably is to just uh, reach me on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, so I can be easily found on LinkedIn. I have a pretty uh, yeah, unique surname and I think I don't have the most popular name. So it'll be pretty easy to find me. There's not gonna be many people called like that. Uh, and for Twitter, you can just find me by my uh, Twitter handle, um, which I don't know, can you add it afterwards with the notes or should I just mention it? We can add it, but it helps to mention as well. <laughs> Okay, I think it should be just my first and then my last name, so Clement uh, Ricklick, but uh, it's complicated to spell, so probably best if you just uh, add it to the note up. Thank you so much for joining us, Clemens. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And yeah, keep up the great job with the podcast. Sounds really, really exciting. This was the FS podcast hosted by Exodel Financial Services. Don't forget to follow us to hear more. <laughs>